here. You can come sit down here too. How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, you can hear that? Okay. I have, to, I have to speak like you're in the back, back row so you can hear me. There we go. <laughs> okay. Well, as I was telling Kelly, Kelly said she didn't have her homework done. And since there's only a few people, we're going to go over a different part. And this way people can do other parts too. But we're going to cover what's there. And we're going to cover this a little slower because I felt like we really kind of took a motorcycle ride through an art gallery last week. So, And here, William probably did everything, didn't you? You got all three of them filled out. Did you get your, your questions answered? Did you have questions? If you did it right, okay. And keep in mind, at the, at the end of that, there should have been a, a sheet so that you could document where people answered certain things so that you can kind of see what those top ones were, so... Okay, what what ones were was something missing? What was the here? Grab me no. I think there was one more back. Should have been. Oh, and we'll we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll no, we'll we'll get to the to the rest of it. That's that's all yours. I want you to keep that. But did you have your other things so you could write down what people? Some of these I prepared so long ago that I don't necessarily know. Yeah, you got all of them. Okay, so you wrote them down. Okay, you're an excellent student, William. You you get a gold star for the day. All right, well, what we are going to discuss, uh, we're going to get into our personality inventory later um, to do, but since so many are gone, I'm sure we're going to have some other questions next week, so we'll kind of plan to to punt a little bit, if you'll excuse the really bad sports metaphor. Um, we're go- Like here? That better? Of course, I guess if you're right there, maybe it just... Okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. Does this work for you? Can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> Good luck with that. All right. Yeah. Sounds like it's going out. That could also be my problem. Huh? No, I haven't changed it at all since, since we did stuff. I guess he'll bring it up and I'll do what I should have done.
Okay. Am I any more clear now? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to continue on, and what we're going to look at, and we're going to talk about the value of personality after a while, but the first thing we want to look at is what has been the primary passage the last couple weeks? Could you? It's just a quiz. What, pa- what passage have we been looking at primarily? Yeah, but what, what passage? In other words, what, what part of the Bible have we been looking at? Well, we've been, we, we were talking about Acts. The one that we've been studying for this is out of 1 Corinthians 12. And so that, that has a lot of where, where Paul is talking about the, the gifts that are given, being part of the body, everything kind of all together. And he concludes it with the words um, in verse 31, and now I will show you the most excellent way. This is tying everything together that he's talked about, about being the body and spiritual gifts, how we use them, how everyone's part of the body, how everyone's part of, you know, everyone has a different purpose. And Paul ends it with, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 lays the theological foundation for serving. And we learned how God designed the church to function as the body of Christ, serving each other with spiritual gifts uh, now we're going to see the most excellent way of serving, which is, do you know what comes next? I said First Corinthians 13. Do you know where that's going? No? Okay. <laughs> it's to serve in love. First Corinthians 13 is often referred to as the love chapter, and many of us hear it read at weddings, but, the notice, but I want you to notice the context. Uh, Paul is not talking about love and marriage, although I will have to say that that God's grace is distributed, is, is dispensed through marriage, so it's not necessarily completely excluding marriage, but continue that, keep that in mind. Paul is not talking about love and marriage. Paul talks about love as the way we are to serve one another. As significant as your spiritual gifts are, love is of much greater importance to God. Listen to what he says. If I, this is verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries or have wisdom and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, which is again that voluntary poverty, and I surrender my body to the flames, which is martyrdom, but have not love, I gain nothing. It is important to note that these people are using their spiritual gifts, hypothetically in this, but more important to note is this. Spiritual gifts expressed without love does not reflect who God is, and it does not have a kingdom impact. And I want us to keep that in mind. We can have all these these spiritual gifts and whatever that, that there is if we do not exercise them in love. If we do not, you know, um, correct in love, teach in love, to, you know, use the truth in love, if, if all of this is devoid of love, it, it has absolutely no impact whatsoever because there's an, there's an old kind of catchy phrase that said, no one cares what you know until they know that you care. And that's really kind of a, an overarching or a simplistic way of saying this. The kind of love we are to express is an agape love. Uh, it is a selfless kind of love that seeks the best interest 
of others. As I read the description of the love we are to have, uh, sorry, as I read a description of the love we are to have, think about how it is demonstrated in the ways that you serve. Ready for this? Love is patient, kind, not envious, not boastful, not proud, not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, not keeping a record of wrongs, not delighting in evil, rejoicing with the truth, protecting, always trusting, always hoping, always persevering, and that love never fails. It is, it is persistent. To serve one another in and through the church is like, like this is a humbling challenge, um, it is, but it is what we are called to do. Is it always easy to serve in those, those I, I'll say, ideal kind of, kind of ways? Is it, is it easy to do that? You don't know? <laughs> is, it easy to, is it easy to serve in love? Always in love. Always, always, always. Are you, is, it, is it easy to serve always in love? No. <laughs> Coming, I, I think, from, uh, from, from Greg and I's perspective as well as probably anyone else, there are a lot of people that are very difficult to serve. I, and, and, and that, that was the other side is you can, you can put in all of your energy to, to be in your best, to give everything out, to take out all sorts of extra distractions to really focus on it in order to devote your, your time to it. And they'll come back and say, well, we're not bringing enough money or we're not doing this or whatever else. And, and somehow put it on, on your shoulders as far as why, why they're not getting the, the performance they want. The part in here, it says, um, okay, um, it, and we're going we're gonna to go into this, because the question I was going to ask kind of as a, as a side is, what are the ways that people do serve? And this one simplifies it down to servanthood and servility, but I think servility can take a lot of forms, and I think there's times when, when we can serve, not, not we, the four of us, but we as a, within a church that people can serve in ways that are not bringing them joy, but it's also something that's not blessing others too. It's because they're, they're doing it out of uh, maybe obligation or out of duty or out of something else. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a difference between doing something out of obligation and doing something out of obedience. But, um, so what does it mean to serve in love? To answer this question, we're going to consider the mindset as we serve. Uh, is it servanthood or servility? And remember, servanthood is serving with love. Servility is serving without love. And we're going to go over some, some ways. Imagine you're driving, to, and this is a thought, same task, different motivations. Imagine you're driving down the road when you come to, along a group of people working on the roadside. They're cleaning up trash and debris. You notice some officers guarding the workers who, who you now realize are minimum security inmates doing public service. 
The inmates move very slowly. Step, poke some trash, look around, put it in their bag, look around some more, take a deep breath, go another step, etc. There is no there is no excitement or urgency, just apathetic indifference, taking their time, they're doing time. And I think that goes in with what I talked about my mother and how the church I grew up in was very much you, you did your time. You know, you, they needed Sunday school teachers and you hadn't done it before, so you did your time, even if it was with, you know, a bunch of kindergartners. Now, imagine you're driving down the road again, but this time you see a group of students working on the roadside picking up trash and debris. The church youth group has volunteered to serve the community in this way. The students laugh and run, quickly stuffing their trash bags full. There is a contagious enthusiasm, joy, and purpose. The same task is being done by both groups, but with two different motivations. The first group served out of servility, serving without love, and the other servanthood, serving with love. Huh? And I, I think opening her, her home to the women's group was another great one. I mean, I, I can, I don't know what cleanup looked like, but I don't think to Kathleen, since I kept mis saying her name last week, I don't think Kathleen cared. If they had left the whole place dirty or whatever else, she was like, just go ahead and do it, just leave it alone or whatever. And I think of how many, um, I had a lot of aunts and uncles and a great aunt that when you came into their house, we would come in, you know, once once uh, almost on average a year they'd get one year off but we'd go for thanksgiving or for christmas and you'd offer to, to do the dishes or do whatever else and she was like i'll take care of them later i'll do it later and so the dishes sat because the, the whole focus was to be to be a to be a, a what i would say hostess we were that we were the focus of why why she was having us in her home, not something else beyond that. And later on, you know, it would get to the afternoon and, you know, different people would go in and do the dishes or put things away or whatever. And that was out, but it was after the, the focus was done. Okay. So there's a, there's a little thing I didn't, and I apologize. All of this was in a, was in a, a booklet, but rather than paying for the booklet, we just kind of took pieces out. I thought we'd just summarize. So this is, these are some different ones. The first one, is that servanthood serves out of obedience. It says, I want to serve God. Servility serves out of obligation. I really do have this well equipped in my mind without realizing that I'm getting to it beforehand. Okay. It serves out of obligation saying, I have to serve God. Servanthood is motivated by what, motivated by what God sees. It serves an audience of one. That's Jesus. Servility is motivated by what others see. It serves to please others. How does it look? What's there? Okay. So, okay. So, servanthood serves out of that obedience. Um, the results of this, though, oh, sorry, that's where I was at. Uh, servanthood has an attitude of doing whatever it takes, it goes beyond expectations. Uh, servility 
uh, has an attitude of it's not my job. Uh, it does the, very, the, the minimum. It's sort of like if you have, let, let's say, William who does, you know, the door. If basically all he did was out of a servility mindset, he would open the door, he would let them come in, he would answer a question if they asked. He would do the very bare minimum. As opposed to William opening the door and, and you know, greeting people as they're coming up. Hey, it's nice to see you. Can I help you with something? You know, do you need help with the kids? Whatever else. Bringing them in. Okay, new people. Okay, so the, the bathrooms are here on the other side. The, the kids' church is back here. That's a servanthood. That's, that's a, a serving out of love. Okay. Um, and the results of, uh, sorry, the results of servanthood is God-glorifying. It directs attention to God, and it humbly reflects Christ. Servility, the results of that is self-seeking. It draws attention to self, pridefully promoting self. Look at what I did. I've done this. I've, you know, the, you, you go to somewhere and say, well, I open the doors for people, or I, you know, I, I serve on the church board, or, or hey, I'm in charge of the pastor, or hey, you know, all, the, all these other things, a, a bragging type of thing that, that only serves to, to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. Does that make sense? And I think there's a lot of other things. This is really a, a simplistic way of doing it. I really think that there are a lot of passive ways that we serve not out of love that we need to, we need to own, we need to acknowledge and to see. And the problem is that if, if, you're not, if you're not getting the Holy Spirit in that's really changing that and being vulnerable to what God wants to do, you're not necessarily going to be vulnerable to say, well, how am I serving you know, differently? You're going to look at, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing the bare minimum, so, you know, cut me some slack. Okay, so we are not called to be secret servants. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus makes an interesting statement. He says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise or glorify your Father in heaven. And that's a good way of, of summing that, to do things in a, in a visible way so that it points to God, so that it points and glorifies to, to God. A visible act of service done in love makes a kingdom difference. Jesus also said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what does love have to do with serving? That's exactly it. It has everything to do with love. Serving, serving and loving someone, serving is a way to visibly, physically, uh, tangibly express our love and God's love to others. That's really, I, I think the, the one thing that I, I won't say I gained out of seminary because I think a lot of the stuff that I got in seminary was very useless. It wasn't, I mean, given I went to, a, you know, a, a very liberal seminary, but I feel like I gained skills. Like now, 
I know if I look at Scripture, I know where to look. I know how to correspond. I know how to, you know, figure out certain uh, phrases where, where it ties in. So I have, I have a functional skill set for being able to do it. But everything else that came along with it, the, the information that, that was, what was what was the content of the Bible, I think was completely missing. And, but, but even with that, there was, there was a sense in, in the, and I'll, I'll call out, in the United Methodist Church, it is a very professional um, leadership. You go to school, you, you know, there, there are some exceptions if you get to a certain age. Like if I was at the age and didn't have anything and wanted to go in ministry, they would kind of, you know, do online classes or they would do things like once a year, you'd spend a month at a, at a, at a class and you'd take those things and it was a course of study. But the, but the, the, um, the process was intended that you would go to seminary for three years, you would do all the, all the core classes, you would go through ordination, you would everything else, and so you had a very organized, academic, professional set. In other words, you were being trained to be a pastor, okay? Um, the problem with that that I find is that interferes a lot with servanthood because you, you come out with the idea that you're the authority, and I think sometimes that's a problem as Christians too, is that we that we take our our salvation and we take you know our, our spiritual gifts and everything, and we take it in a position of being an authority, like I have the that, that's where you start hearing I have the gift of prophecy, I have the gift of knowledge, I have the gift of servanthood, I you know what, whatever it would be, I I I I I, and I think that's just as much of a servility mindset. And it's taken a while to, to get around to the idea of casting off the I'm the authority and coming into a place of I want to serve wherever I can serve. It's why a lot of times I, I'll ask Greg, is there something you need done? Is there something I can do for you? Is there somewhere else that we can do this? You know, whatever else. And sometimes I'll open my mouth and he'll say, well, good, you can do that. Um, but when it comes down to it, I, get a, I have... I have a thousand percent more joy doing what I do now without getting a paycheck than I ever did getting paid well to do it. And I think that's, that's really a sense that sometimes our, our authority or our knowledge or whatever can be an obstacle. It can be a way that we serve instead of out of that, that love for God being the, the main part. Okay, so there's a couple questions here. Um, what is an aspect of servanthood that you would like to focus on? Okay. Do you feel like out of the, the ones that we 
kind of listed as far as serving in, in servanthood? Do you feel like all of those are, are being met? Do you feel like you, let me, let me go back to it here. Um, sorry, all these pages. Um, do you feel that you serve out of obedience, that you want to serve God? Do you feel like you're, you're motivated by what God wants to see and that you're serving God al- alone? Or, or you're serving in, in what other people see? Um, do you have an attitude of doing whatever it takes and going beyond expectations? Do you feel like your results are God-glorifying, drawing attention to, to God, draw, you know, reflecting Christ? Do you feel like those are all being met, or is there a certain aspect that you feel like you, you'd like to focus on? I'm sorry, say that again. I don't guess I got across what I was trying to get across. Oh. <laughs> well, and again, there's there's no right answer. The the idea is to really really think through because all of us come in with with some part of this, and the idea is to give a give a framework. Are there are there chinks in our armor? where we need to, to shore that up. Do we reflect that or do we serve out of some of these other things? It's, it's, it's basically to be better at what we're, what we're doing. Are you talking about here as a church? I'm talking about you as a person in wherever you serve, but yeah, primarily within the church, but anywhere you serve, are there, are there aspects that you feel are not as, not as great in those, in those areas as you would like them to be or you think that they should be? Yeah, well, yeah, the, the idea of servanthood is are we, uh, do, do you feel like you serve out of obedience, that you, that you do it because you want to serve God, or are you doing it out of obligation because, you know, you, you have to serve, you know, for, for, for Greg, it would be the question of, do you do what you do because you enjoy doing it and you want to point to God and you're, and you're serving God, or is it basically someone pays your paycheck and you have to do it, and so you do it begrudgingly or out of a, a sense of, obligation instead of obedience. That, that would be kind of the, the, the difference, just to give an example. Okay. I was trying to think how many toilets you got. There's three in the back and three, four, two. five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's nine toilets in this. Wow. That's it. <laughs> seven of them, man. Okay. Yeah. 
So to, so to sum up, I understood you enjoy serving. You don't necessarily enjoy every task, but you enjoy serving, helping people, bringing them to God, those types of things. So you feel like your motivation is on. You don't necessarily enjoy everything you do, but you're not, it's, it's not being done out of a... Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. I don't, I don't think even, you know, Jesus didn't necessarily enjoy everything he did necessarily. He certainly probably didn't enjoy, you know, dealing with the Pharisees. But he did it, he, he did it, he expressed it in a, in a sense of obedience to God. This is what, what was setting the example for us, as well as being able to, to, to use it in order to bring people closer to God. He didn't necessarily enjoy the, the activity he was in, engaged in, but he turned it around to be able to be used for that. And he said he, he, he looked on them, he, he took pity on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He, his, his, um, his physical exhaustion took a back seat to his obedience to God and to, to serving others. So, okay. So are there things in, in the two of you that we, we picked on William enough? Are there, are there areas that you feel like need to be tuned up? You're perfect in every way? Okay. As, as for, yeah, in other words, do, do you do everything out of, a, out of an attitude of servanthood, or are there times where you serve out of, I have to, I'm... I'm If Greta's not going to, she might as well. But I, I, I think if I'm, if I'm to kind of sum or put words in your mouth, um, you didn't necessarily enjoy the task, but the focus was this is going to be something other people see. This is going to be something that affects someone's ability to worship in the space if the, if the floors are dirty. So this needs to be done. Your, your attitude was this is going to glorify God because it's going to allow people to be brought closer. Mm-hmm. But there have been times that we do things. Yeah. Like the kids' ministry, that's not her thing. She doesn't like doing kids' right. church. But we didn't have anybody do it, so she did it. Mm-hmm. You know, she did it because it had to be done. There was no one else to do it. Right. Something like that. Yeah. So some of those things. She enjoys the kids, but she doesn't enjoy teaching. That's not right. But, but you didn't do it like you, you didn't walk around all day and go, I, I did the children's ministry today. You know, I. 
you know, I did this and I, 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 I. Okay. I think knowing knowing Kelly for the last six years in kind of different places that she's had to serve, the, I think that the danger has been more, and I think Kelly handles it very well, but I, I think it's where we, we'll get into a, a part where we talk about that these are your spiritual gifts, and this, this is your, your personal preference, and these are your passions or whatever. This is how you best do things, but there are going to be other times when you are called to do something just to be able to fill in a space. And I think the danger for Kelly has been she's had to fill those, those exceptions as almost the rule instead of really serving in a place where she is best serving. And so I, I think that's why I really enjoy seeing new people come in, new opportunities, things that other people can take on. And same thing with Greg. There's, there's a lot of things that Greg was doing that were not necessarily where he served best or where, where he shined. He was serving in everything that had to. And so by being able to, to pass some of those on to people who do enjoy doing that or able to fill in those, it allows him to, to have more focus on doing what he does and what God wants him to do best. And I think that the time's kind of, I think Kelly's slowly getting towards that too, that she can, she can get out of some of those. Like being able to sit up here on a Sunday morning instead of having to, you know, be the sound person, you know. Okay. Um, okay, so now I had got this other part. Okay, so we're going to do our personality style. Um, some thoughts about the end, we'll just, it's really short, so I'll pass it out here. Okay, I'm sure if I grabbed all these together, this would be easier. Okay, there's yours, there's yours, and someone really nice left pens in the, in the pews, so I didn't have to bring any in. Okay, these are basically to find your personal style. Now, before you go filling this out, three things, and we see these formulaic. Personal style is God-given, okay? There is no right or wrong personal style. Personal styles are just different. Personal style answers the how question in how can I best serve. One of the biggest things that I'd, I'd say is in my, one of my spiritual gifts has been administration. Now, I've also had administrative assistants that their gifts are administration as well. We have completely different styles. And so administration for me is being able to mentally organize how things need to work, what needs to happen, you know, spatial things. But making them happen, 
I am terrible at making them happen. That's where someone that has a different organizational style with that same spiritual gift is going to be well-suited to do that and come along and do that. So that's, again, personal style, a little different. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, "For For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not well was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. We were not just created physically, but even our inmost parts are a part of God's handiwork. He has uniquely given each of us a personal style. Okay, so what I want you to do is go through the inventory, chart out where you're at. We'll give you about five minutes. I don't think it would take too long to do that. If it does, just say I'm not done yet. By the way, just as I mentioned last week, fill it out honestly. Now, not how you think you should be or how someone else thinks you should be. Fill it out honestly so that you get an honest picture of where you're at. charted where you're at on the the scale thing. Not necessarily. Okay, is the chart is the chart in there so you can chart where you're at? Okay, there you go. Yeah, that. Okay, there you go.
Um, if I remember, I was, huh? I don't know how I didn't do it this time. Um, I'm people-oriented and unstructured. <laughs> I, you know, there, there was a, a part, I, I think the, the biggest part, and it drives really organized people, task-oriented people nuts, which is probably foreseeable, but for me it's the fact that so much was having to shift and adjust and whatever that that's that's mine like um one of the one of the biggest places i shine as doing pastoral care is when someone calls me at three o'clock in the morning and says my my husband's in the hospital we're on our way we need you to come i'm right on see yeah but i but but that's that's mine. And I always said I was I was an adrenaline or a, or a crisis junkie. The, everybody needs to everybody needs to be in the hospital between eight and four p.m. Yeah. See, and I would and I would prefer. See, I I was I was terrible at going and doing visitation because it, it involved you had to call people up. Are they home? Are you bothering them? Are they doing something else? It was, it was too much. Else. If they needed me and they called, I was right there. But if they wanted me to show up, there was a, there was a certain number of people that I knew they were always home. And so I could go and they were the ones that really counted on. I, I want to visit from the pastor. I could put that in and it still was not a structured time. I would go when I had time or when I got bored or whatever else. Yeah. See, and I'm And I can, I can do structured things, but it's like, if it was like report time at the end of the year, like this would be, if I was still in a pastorate, this would be the time when you're doing reports. So you'd, you'd have to schedule meetings for the, for the finance committee, figure out how much there was. You'd have to figure out, you know, what, what each committee needed, what was their budget desires, you know, what was, you know, how many people, you know, came into the church, what was the worship attendance, whatever else. I could sit down and have, have all the people come in, and I could do them. So I could be structured, and I could be very task-oriented, but that was, a, that was the exception of the rule. I could function. I could be very detailed. I could be very perfectionistic, but naturally, I am perfectionistic on very few things. And I'm perfectionistic on, I want to make sure that you get everything that you need to do, that you need when you call on me to do it. That's that, that people-oriented, very unstructured, so it's going to be very up in the air, and it drives the marriage nuts, too, when they say, well, what time will we be home? I don't know. My, I, was, I said I was very much my father's son because he would say, I'll be out in, in five minutes, because to him, it's like we're, we're wrapping things up, but wrapping things up could be a half or three-quarters of an hour later. And even if I went back in and said, are you coming? Yeah, I'll be out in a couple of minutes, another 10, 20 minutes later, you know, so. 
And that's, that's another why, especially as working with spiritual gifts and with, with teams and with the whole church, I, re- I, I am very much appreciative for people that are task-oriented and very structured people because I can describe things in depth and in detail for a, for a conceptual, and they can make it happen and make it work. No, and there's... And 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 there is there is something to to say about being being um, disoriented, not not necessarily oriented a specific way, but basically just lazy, if you will. I'll do things that, however I do it because it suits me or whatever. You're you're not being you're not being serving out of obedience. You're serving out of that again that 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 uh, servility mentality because you're only going to do it when someone forces you to do it, as opposed to doing it in in a certain way that basically flows in whatever in a, in a certain style. So, and we'll, we'll get to some of that too. And, and Greta's, Greta's very much your sister, let me just say, because, huh? Yeah. Okay. We'll wait for you. But yeah, it's, you know, and, and, that, and it works very well. Now, of course, the fact that when, you know, if Greta says, the dishes need done, to me it's like, okay, I'll do them when, you know, in anticipation, okay, they need to be done by a certain time, so I will figure out a time in that time between now and then to be able to, to get them done. When she says the dishes need done, she means now because she sees them, she determines they need done now, and she wants them done now. And she is... I think that's where that's where Greta and I have done better is that she understands it will be done by the time I need them done, but it's just like this I mean this kinda goes hand in hand with love languages too. Knowing what people's love languages are. Mm-hmm. And, and and I know it's different in a setting, but we all have a love language. Right. Whereas we are all we are all made differently, you know. Right. And that's excellent because because Greta's love language is acts of service, and so I know if if I want to show you know hey I love you so much it's I clean up the you know the the area around her bed or I you know get all the all the cups that she's 
dragged back there and drank, you know, half a bottle of water out to be able to, to get all those together and to, to clean it up or to do the dishes or to wash some clothes and to fold them or to fold them before, you know, put the other ones in or rewash something or whatever it would be to do that. It very much is, is in, in keeping with what her personal style is of being task-oriented, organized. Okay. Everyone done? Everyone got their thing together? You got it charted out, William? And, okay, so so what is what is he leaning? Task construction. He's leaning to task construction. Okay, so he's okay, and we'll and we'll and we'll hit that. And that's and, and that's the thing of, of basically saying that, that there's a lot of flexibility to it, right? Okay. Okay, so serving in ways. Um, okay, so personal style indicates the way you prefer to relate to people and the world around you. Serving in ways inconsistent with your personal style over time leads to, leads to inauthentic relationships, decreased motivation, and burnout. You can do it, but you can't do it for a long time. It's, it's the sort of thing like when I talked about the reports. I could do the reports and have them all together and all organized in exactly what they needed to do, but that was not going to be 365 days of my, of my time to be able to do everything that way, or I was going to drive myself nuts. I would literally have breakdowns at times if I had to, to hit those certain things to act in a certain way that, that met someone else's expectation of what, what it was. So anyway, when we serve in ways that reflect our style, we will feel genuine and energized. So let's explore two key elements of your personal style. One is how are you energized and how are you organized? Um, okay, so how are you energized? This scale reflects how you receive and focus your emotional energy. It indicates how you prefer to interact with people and tax, tasks. Are you more task-oriented or people-oriented? I think we've covered that all of you are task-oriented to some degree, and I am very much not. Okay. Huh? You were eight? So so where does, where does that put, put you in there? Just because I don't... So you're you're almost at the. Let me see. I'm again one of those visual people, so let me see. Oh, okay. So okay, so you're eight over there. Okay, now I'm getting it. And yours is more moderate. And he's dead center down towards. He's there. Okay, that gives me a that gives me a picture. Okay. So, task-oriented people are energized by doing things, accomplishing tasks, working with people who share your commitment to the task. It can, they can feel awkward or frustrated with a lot of relational activities. Okay? Awkward or frustrated with a lot of relational activities. Like, like, like when, when, you've got, when you've got something to do, you want... You want no distractions. Yeah. I don't know. What drives me nuts 
No, no, yeah. But if we've got a job, we get the job done. It's just just for a little bit of example, I would come up from time to time, be looking for music and whatever, and so I would be in the front office, and Greg would be in his office, and I would find the things I wanted and whatever, and then I start looking for different songs or whatever, and so there were times I would go back and say, you know, Greg, what kind of what kind of songs do you want to work now? Greg was very focused in whatever Greg was focused on doing. Greg had to specifically set it aside in order to have that conversation to do certain things, but it was a very, very much, he was not going to be able to type and do his thing while talking to me at the same time. So it was, it was very much a, I can, I can relate to you. We can talk about things. We can discuss things that, that do whatever, but it had absolutely nothing to do with whatever, whatever he was doing otherwise. Unless... Mm-hmm. And those two people start talking. I'm, I ignore them and start doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Back to the task that I was doing. Yeah. That's just, that's just me. I and that's, and, and again, that is, there is not a wrong style for doing it. That is entirely fine. Okay, so the next one is people-oriented people, and obviously we've established that would be me. They are energized by interpersonal relationships, people interactions, working with people in a team setting. I love people. I love working with people. I love being around people. I love talking to people. I love helping people. I love everything else. And I and and there are that, that's probably why I enjoy it is because all the things that I do now, other than mowing lawn, is very relational. And, and on the on the phone, I don't I don't look at you've got the test. Now there are certain times that it's like yes, there's so many things that are there, but it will drain me emotionally to have a, a call queue at work that goes on and on and on and on because my thought is I want to take care of the customer, help them to the best of the ability. If that's if that takes three minutes, that's fine. If it takes twenty minutes, that's fine too. 
and, and there, are, there are times when basically I will get off of whatever because for that person, there's a need for them and I will answer that need and, there's, and I've never been, been knocked down on it. If someone calls in and says, my husband passed away and I'm needing to cancel his membership, ma'am, I am so sorry to hear about that. And, and before, it's, before it's done, we'll take care of the, the task at hand. And I'll say, now, you need, to, you need to keep these things in mind. These are going to be taken care of on its own. And you need to be cautious of anyone that calls because there are a lot of people that are not. And this is completely going off of anything that she called in for. But that is, that's where she's at or where he's at and being able to answer that and being able to relate to that. But it's, it's not a very task thing. The task thing, there are other people that have two-and-a-half-minute call times that are just on the other end that they don't relate to anybody, they don't talk to anybody, and that's also not helpful because now it comes across as you're very unfeeling, very robotic, whatever else. So anyway, so there's mid, okay. And they can, they can obviously feel, uh, feel awkward when handling a lot of tasks. That's why there's certain things, I do them, I can focus on them, but... There's even times like the devotional, people will see me, I'll do the first part at night, and I'll come back, I'll be here the next morning finishing it up because I've thought about it overnight and where things were going and whatever, and I can, I can spell it out, but it's very unstructured. I don't have to sit down and do it from beginning to end and edit it and have everything together. I can compartmentalize and do it in a very unorganized fashion, knowing it has to be done by Sunday noon. <laughs> That, that's my that's my end. But when it gets done, is different. And sometimes it's done Monday afternoon, and sometimes it's done Sunday morning at eleven forty. So, okay, it is important to note that both task oriented and people oriented people value developing relationships and meeting goals. Okay, it is not to say that those who are task oriented are not concerned with relationships, uh, and those that are people oriented are not concerned with getting the task done but each has a primary and secondary means of achieving the task. You tend to start with where you are and then move in the other direction. There are times that I can tell you that if Greg and I did the, did the same job, obviously it would be much different. Greg can interact and be emotional and empathetic with people, but it is a, it is a very, I don't want to say force, but it is a very energy-consuming thing, whereas for me it's not. The other side of that is I can empathize with someone until the cows come home on anything, any level, talk about it, whatever. But as far as doing something in an office over and over and over and over and over again, I struggle with that. That'll, that'll drain it. When I worked at Cabela's, I could, I could arrange my time. I could focus on getting the task done. But I was constantly talking to other people, which drove my supervisors nuts because they wanted me to be focused on everything. And if I was talking, then I wasn't working. Well, the problem was that I could do three times the amount of work in someone in, in that time while still talking to people and whatever else. Whereas when I was talking to them, they couldn't get that done. So they were getting three times less done than what they needed to do. And that's how that related. <laughs> Not that I don't have some empathy for people or right. feel for people that have gone through that loss, but I feel like I have a job to do. I have to, I have to get there. I have to talk to people. I have to console them or whatever. 
And I, and I guess actually if I remember the way Greta's turned out was Greta is very task oriented, but she's on the people side. She can she can empathize and whatever else, but she is also very focused on on tasks, and so that's where some of those I, I anticipate. You know, if if some tragedy happens, we'll just leave it as some tragedy happens. Seeing how Greg relates to the situation and how Greta relates to the situation being connected is going to be probably very different. And if they don't clash, I'd be shocked, but it'll be a very, very different. He'll be in one place and she'll be in another and doing those because that's how they relate. And they, you know, Greg will will have to put a little more energy into it and Greta will, you know, have to to have a little, you know, a little more organization in, in her mind to keep her keep her going. But it's it's just different things. And this is not just in tasks, this is in general. So okay. So the next is how are you organized? Um, we already established that you two are structured? Structured. And you're unstructured? Okay, you and I are unstructured. Okay, I'm very unstructured and you're just kind of unstructured. Okay, unstructured people put things into piles. They are less concerned with being precise. They prefer lots of options and flexibility. They prefer a variety of activities, are comfortable in undefined situations, and like spontaneous relationships. And that goes along very, very well with, with mine and with a lot of others is, you know, you never, never met a friend, you didn't, you know, they, they were just friends you didn't know yet. And so, you know, anyone that comes along, you could get along with, you could talk to, you could interact with whatever. And it was very, it was very loosey-goosey what people would say, but it, that's, that's how you relate. Structured people put things into files. These two will file anything that you give them an opportunity to. And if it was filed one way and they want it filed more, they'll file it again. Um, they put things into files. They plan, and bring order to, uh, they plan and bring order to their lives. And they enjoy stable, consistent relationships. Huh? Yes, they're very color-coded. <laughs> See... See, and, and that's for the organization. Mine would be according to subject. Like, I would, I would maybe organize them according to author or alphabetize them or something else. He wants them so that they're, they're nice to look at. But, he, but he, knows, he, knows, he probably knows exactly where every book is because, okay, maybe not. Okay, he's got a color structure. I'm trying to give you benefit of the doubt here. They're pretty. They're pretty. They're good to look at. Okay. Okay. Uh, That's, that's about right. Um, they, make de- they make decisions and seek closure. Uh, they are more detailed. They like things clearly defined. Okay? Both value being organized, but, in a, but each has a different approach. Some of you like files, while other of you prefer piles. I could, that, that, that report time that I talked about, I would have people that would give me those reports that are part of the reports, and I would have a stack of them, and they would, they would be with the rest of the mail. But I knew exactly where it was in that pile when it went into that pile because of when it came in, so that when I needed it, I could go through and pull it out. Within, like, two pieces of paper, I could pull every single one of them out exactly where it was. Um, 
here is one caution to be aware of. When we talk about personal styles and see how different they are, there can be a tendency by some to use their style to justify their actions. And that's, again, where that, where, where Greg's ADD, you know, he had to be more organized in order to get something done because if he didn't, it would, it would fly apart. You know, there, there, there are certain organizational things he put in to be able to do that. Mine is the, is the, the other side of it. I can, I can function very well with, with disorder or with, uh, with being unorganized in that, in that sense. But there were also times when I could, I could justify it to be able to have, and don't yell at me, to have an hour-long sermon because I didn't structure it in any way. I just basically said, this is what we're going to cover, and I'll talk until I'm done. There had to be certain order. Like, it, like now if... Now, if it's an hour long, it's because it was ordered to be an hour long, not because I just happened to be an hour long. So there's some of that. And there, believe it or not, um, in, in worship, I had structured things in a way that I had 33 minutes to give a sermon. And I had 33-minute sermons every week because everything else was very structured in. The songs took a certain amount of time. The, the order, the uh, uh, other, the prayers took a certain amount of time. The scriptures took a certain amount of time, and that was what I st- structured out. So it was so my or- my order of worship was very structured, to the end that if someone walked up on a Sunday morning and said, "Hey, pastor, can I, can I sing a song?" At that time, in a very relational way, I would say, "Yes, absolutely, that would be great. We'll put it in right here, and I would plan it in." But I didn't look down at it because I knew that order of worship, and I would skip right over. And I had not—I had more than about four or five people that were miffed at me for for weeks because I didn't let them sing. It was like I didn't remember to let them sing because I knew it so ordered that you can't—you you couldn't walk up to me on a Sunday morning and actually get me to do it without standing up and going, "I'm pastor," and dragging my memory. So that's where some of that came in. Yeah, there are times I have to be ordered and have to observe that. Okay. Personal style does not explain our behaviors, but it... Oh, sorry. Personal style does explain our behavior, but it does not excuse it. You may be unstructured, but that does not excuse you from meeting deadlines and fulfilling responsibilities on time. The, if you are structured, you may be effective in getting things done, but there will be times when you will need to make changes to what you've already completed. There will be many times in life and ministry where you need to relate to and serve others differently than your preferred style. God gives you that ability because he values relationships. Know your personal style and whenever possible, use it. When you can't, allow the spirit to lead you so that God can be glorified and others edified. And that's really where this comes down to is just because I have a certain style or Greg has a certain style or Kelly has a certain style does not mean that it is centered around them, centered around us. It is centered around, is, is what I'm doing glorifying God and edifying others? It is, it is others related, and that means that if how I serve does not meet that criteria in that time, I need to serve in a different way. Okay? Okay, so... Here's just one more and we'll be done because the rest of this is passion. We'll cover that next week, if not week after. If your task unstructured, you tend to, like general guidelines, be versatile, get tangible results, and help wherever needed. That makes sense? Huh? 
Okay. You tend to like general guidelines. You, you want to be versatile. In other words, you can kind of go with the flow. You, you want to get tangible results. You want to be able to see what happens. Okay? And you, you help whenever it's needed. If someone calls you on a, on a Sunday afternoon and says, hey, I need help with this, you'll run and do it because you like being able to, be, to, to help wherever it's needed. Regardless of what it is, you'll respond because that's, that's what you, you... This is task unstructured. Task unstructured. Okay. Serving opportunities could be things like uh, room setup and breakdown, uh, special events organizer, uh, building projects team. Two of the three of those sound like things that William could very well be involved in. Okay. Task structured. You tend to get the job done, focus on results, follow an agenda. And you appreciate clear direction. Right on. Serving opportunities could be sound and lighting team. (laughs) Um, Offering taker taker or counter. Drama set builder. Those are just a couple throwing it out there. Okay. People unstructured. Uh, You tend to be very conversational. Uh, You can be flexible. You relate well with others. You like spontaneous situations. Uh, serving opportunities could be crisis hotline, greeter teams, information center. And here I am playing a guitar. Anyway, and that's why I try to talk to people. Okay, people structured, which of course is none of the four of us, but people structured uh, tends to project warmth. They like defined relationships. They relate well with others, and they enjoy familiar surroundings. This would be Greta's if if memory serves. Serving opportunities could be small group leader, membership team, assimilation strategies. Um, As you look, oh, I didn't highlight that. Okay. When you find your location on the personal style chart, this is where where exactly you were in that, um, you can see the strength of your preferences and the intensity of your style. Each of us has a certain comfort zone around us as indicated by the gray circle. Your comfort zone is a condition of ease and well-being. We're, like rubber, we're all like rubber bands. We can stretch in any direction at any time, but the more we stretch and the longer we stay there, the more we become tired, stressed, bored, and burned out. Okay? Understanding your style will give you uh, freedom and flexibility in moving toward various serving opportunities around your comfort zone. It is important to note that in many ministry positions, your personal style may not be the most critical factor in determining your best fit. Okay. Teaching. And see, and these are these are again where where you're going to have these are these are jobs. You know, when when you take into effect your your spiritual gifts are going to come into others. These are kind of functional. If you want to think of these, these are. These are jobs. These are jobs. These are things where we're given a certain. If you if you were in hospitality, it would be things like you would you would find a place on being able to you know be a door greeter or whatever else. But if you were you know a different type, it would have different expressions. So these are just short examples.
I wanted to get up there and deliver the message, get the results. Right. Yeah, and that's and, and that's that, that's very consistent with it. Um, and you know, and it drives me. And I've made a couple comments today. I said, uh, I said, there are times when I deliver a message, and you ask me, give an altar call, and no one responds. You don't see the results. Mm-hmm. Even though there is results, right? Two, three, not see the results. Yep. Okay. And this is our, uh, let's see. Okay. And this was the illustration. If, if you think of, of writing, writing with your right hand, how, are we all right-handed? William, are you right-handed? Are you right-handed? Are you right-handed? Right-handed. Okay. If you, can you write your name with your right hand? Okay. If you switch the pencil or the pen to your other hand, can you write your name with your left hand? It takes a lot of energy, and that's really where this, where this comes down to. It can feel awkward. You have to think about what you're doing. It's not as comfortable. It took more time. It's probably not as neat. Um, for some people, it may be neater. That may be mine. While all these things are true, uh, my guess is that you were able to write your name with the opposite hand. While it was not the hand you preferred to write with, you could do it. The point is to know what your personal style preferences are and to express them whenever possible. We have now defined and gained an understanding of our personal styles. We already identified and looked at our spiritual gifts, so that's going to bring us to our last component in our servant profile, and next week we're going to talk about our ministry passion. So we're going to stop, and it's a good thing I didn't try to do two sections at <laughs> Well, I didn't feel rushed, rushed in the in this case either. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> there, there is. <laughs>